Welcome to the Intersecting Us podcast, where math and life intersect. In today's podcast, Brian and Dave discuss the beautiful equation, exploring the elegance of Euler's identity and its real-world renaissance. What does exponential growth, the sine curve, and imaginary numbers have to do with each other? What if we could imagine and explore a, a formula that maybe tried to get all those things to come together? Or could it even be done? And that we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And and Dave, I'm going to bring you in here and talk about a little bit about the, the value of imagination. We, we talked about this last podcast about how imagination and math go together. But now we're looking at something even deeper. These different concepts, these different almost disciplines and, and formula uses is maybe coming together. How does that come about when you're using your imagination and, 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 and the math that comes behind it? Sure. Welcome, everybody. It's good to be here. And if you're like most people, the idea of coining imagination and mathematics together seems to be like a far stretch because we're used to thinking of math as very fixed and absolute. And um, it just seems like it requires memorization, not imagination. And I think that that's what is often communicated in schools, either intentionally or maybe more unintentionally, but often that is the message that's received. And uh, I think that really misses out on a lot of the beauty of math. And so we are talking a lot about uh, how math is a creative work. And we're using the word imagination partly because we've got an imaginary number, I, that, you know, brings that word imagination into the vocabulary of math. And so uh, I think it's appropriate to talk about math and imagination. And, you know, I ran across this quote that I thought was inspiring to me. And so I'd share it with everybody. And it's a quote from a guy named uh, Francis Sue. And he wrote a book called Mathematics for Human Flourishing, which is a book I highly recommend for our audience. If you're looking for a book that brings the human side of math out. Anyway, here is the quote. Uh, Francis says, exploration cultivates the virtue of imagination. In order to solve problems, you have to ideate new possibilities. And I think that that is something we don't think about with math, that in order to solve problems, you have to ideate new possibilities. We often think that you have to Memorize formulas. You have to take good notes. You have to, you know, learn this concept, but you don't have to ideate new possibilities because, uh, we're encouraged not to think about new things when we do math often. And so I, I like this quote because it highlights not only is that something that can be done, but as you get deeper in math, it's a requirement to ideate and for those who are deeper into math, I'm probably preaching to the choir because they know how important all this is. But for people that are just kind of beginning to get into math, this idea, you know, may be something new. And so that's what our goal will be to talk about that today. Well, the term exploration, we tend to use to physical sciences, uh, maybe life science, those types of disciplines. I think where we 
Probably. And, and we have talked about that in past podcasts that it does seem like you said earlier, Dave, that math is not usually a discipline that a, a lot of people, you know, associate with exploration. It, it's, it's the idea that we pretty much have everything we need to be able to do, use math in our particular disciplines, whatever it may be. But looking at some of the past mathematicians, Somewhere on the line, what we have now had to be discovered. And so you don't discover unless you explore. And I think you've done a good job of showing that. And, 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 and you'll tell us more today about a particular person who, who did some exploration. And I think that always helps us think, well, maybe there's things now that we think we know maybe all the math there is, but perhaps we don't. And maybe doing some imagination and. Uh, I like that word ideate. That's kind of a cool word that, that Sue uses there. But but I think exploration in math is probably, as you said, something that people who are in math a lot might understand. But probably for the layperson, that's not even something that's on their radar. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, to put all this in context, uh, we are arriving at a, a pretty uh, significant destination, Brian, that we should maybe celebrate a little bit in that we have been on this eternity series for what seems like an eternity, right? It could be. I'll define that term, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we actually started on this about a year ago when we started thinking about putting together videos. And, you know, it took us a while to figure out how to do it. And, and then when we got done with the videos and we decided to do the podcast, and so even though we're not like going into nuts and bolts of the Eternity Series videos in the podcast, uh, they have been going in parallel. And so the topic for today really coincides with the seventh math video in the Eternity Series, uh, the last one. And so, you know, it's been a, a journey of exploring, you know, what is eternity. And so that's kind of the context of what we're talking about is, you know, we are talking about in eternity and infinity. And in doing so in math, we have talked about the sine function. If you can remember when we first brought that up, uh, one of the things it, it brings is the number of hours of sunlight in a day. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of had fun with that. I'm sure you remember that, Brian, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is kind of a neat. It's one of the things people can see pretty Clearly, especially if they live in North America, because we're not on the equator, things change a little bit. That sine curve makes a difference. And of course, it's not just that. It's in, you know, in music, it's, it's all over. Uh, the sine function is uh, so much in math and science. And so most, it's on our calculator. So it's a big deal. And then we talked about E, uh, which is another letter that is a, uh, a button on our calculator. So it's a big deal, especially for actuaries, but really mathematicians in general. Uh, it's the foundation of calculus. Uh, so we, we talked a lot about E and, and both the sine function and E have notions and messages that connect to the infinite. And so very two different ideas, but uh, they both connect to the infinite. And so, you know, we, we talked about those as well. Yeah, I think um, when when you, the infinite and the eternal, we're not going to get into that too much. You can look at uh, past podcasts and even those videos. Similar, but I, I think our main difference there we talked about was 
infinite is, is a term you use a lot in math, you know, positive, negative infinity and all those things. And, and then eternal, I, I suppose, is a superset of that, you know, where it includes infinity, but more about, you know, existence and all those types of things. But that's the cool part about it. That's what the Eternity series was always about is that infinity and math and eternity and, and life uh, intersect at such a, a great level. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, we we had fun with that. And then uh, the last uh, big topic we brought up was I, the imaginary number. And unlike the sine function and E, where they are kind of like mathematical ideas that come about from either patterns or limits, I is just something we simply defined. It It was just something that we imagined as math people it was a it was a solution to a problem eventually what it did was it gave us a solution to uh what is the uh what is x when you have x squared equals negative one before that was not defined we brought in i and then now that has an answer and and so that is uh i is you know a totally different animal compared to e and the sine function not only in just what problems it tries to solve, but the fact that it is completely an invention of the human mind that we, we just, you know, decide to come up with the last few hundred years to work on algebra problems. And, and, but now it, it shows up in so many different places because it's one of those tools that has reinvented itself. And, and so it's now it's a big deal in the math world. Yeah, and you find that sometimes in exploration. I was reading about, I think it was Coca-Cola was, you know, originally had a low level of cocaine in it and it was used as a health elixir, you know, and that's what they were trying to come out with something to help stomachs and all that. And, and obviously we don't use that for that anymore. And, and that's not a perfect uh, analogy, but it is sometimes things that don't seem like they're related. You can relate, but it takes some exploration. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, you know, it's funny. I was trying to think of like how to uh, communicate how unrelated they are. And I must admit, talking about cocaine was not anything that came to mind. But well, that's, know, why, yeah, I, that's why I've got you on the podcast, too, to, to bring out those things I'll never think about. But <laughs> as um, I say, well, that'll get people buzzing one way or another, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully uh, good, we, we, we may get a bad reputation. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, God, yeah, that's it. Drink, drink uh, Coke, not the other. Yeah. So anyway, where that led in our last couple of videos in the Eternity series was we uncovered what is uh, often referred to as Euler's identity. And, you know, Euler is one of those guys that we talk a ton about and we will continue to talk a ton about. But he came up with this identity or formula, if you want to call it that. And I'll just first of all read it. And the formula is E. And then we're going to uh, raise it to a power. So E raised to an exponent. And the exponent is two things multiplied together. And those two things, surprisingly, are pi and i. And so multiplying pi by i seems like an extremely uh, weird idea to do because pi has to do with a circle and i is a solution to uh how to bring in x squared equals negative 1 into the algebra world 
And so those two things really seem like they don't go together at all. And now they're sitting up as exponents to uh, the base E, where E itself is what we call the exponential number. It's an irrational number. It's, you know, it's kind of like a weird number, 2.718. And I know, Brian, you got that memorized about 500 digits. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it comes about originally when we were looking at compound interest, but basically it has to do with the perfect smooth exponential curve. And so it's like a totally different animal than pi, which has to do with circles and I, which is a solution to an algebra problem. So all those three things couldn't be further apart in the math world. And yet Euler put them all together. And found out that when you take that expression, it comes out to something, and then you add one to that, the result, unbelievably, is zero, which means simply that E raised to pi times I equals negative one. And you have to really take some time to really think about that to really appreciate what a crazy idea uh, that answer is. But it took the math world, you know, by the storm. And uh, they've been kind of like feeding off this idea ever since. Uh, this was like the mid-1700s where this idea was identified. But it's been often called um, like the jewel of mathematics. Uh, some call it the most beautiful equation in mathematics. I've got a book on my bookshelf, and the entire book is doing nothing but unleashing what this formula means and how beautiful it is. And so there, you know, there's so much to appreciate about this formula. We're not, of course, going to get into the weeds of that, but hopefully we can at least take a moment and appreciate what a beautiful formula this is. Yeah. And do you have, and you don't have to. I, do you have any idea of his discovery process on that, or is that something that you'd ever read, or, or, or if you could sure. talk about it at all? Did he? What was he trying? Was he trying to accomplish something? Did he have a goal, or was he just kind of playing around with the formulas <laughs> and see what they showed? Or yeah, uh, I've kind of forgotten some of the details, uh, but I've read quite a bit about it, and so I'm going to try to, I guess, go from my memory. The big idea through it all is let's take the expression e raised to the x times i. So what we're doing is rather than using pi 3.14, we're putting in the variable x, where x could be any real number. In fact, it could be any complex number. But for the sake of discussion, we'll keep it simple and just say x can be any real number. So 0, 1, 1 half. Pi, you know, all those are real numbers that we can substitute in for x. And so now think about e raised to the i times x. And that's not quite as maybe unusual thing because now x could be anything and we're taking that times i. And what happens is this entire expression, e raised to i times x, regardless of what real number you substitute in for x, the result of that expression, when we plot it on a complex plane, it lands on a circle 
where the radius is one. And so that seems to be really odd because like if we think of like XY in the XY coordinate, you know, you, we can substitute a value for X and let's say what the formula we have is some line, then we can put in a value for X and we can kind of think about the answer for Y. You know, it's going to be somewhere on this line. And so as we go left to right on the X coordinate system, the Y value, you know, will just be that answer that gets us to a line. And so we are comfortable with that, like for a linear equation in the XY coordinate system. But here we're in the complex plane. And now whatever we put in for the value of X, the answer, the Y answer is going to be somewhere on this circle where the radius is one. And it doesn't matter what value of X it is, you know the answer is always going to be there. And so that's the real big idea that you need to start understanding when you try to, you know, make sense of that. And I think that's where Euler's mind was at, was unwrapping and uncovering that big idea. So he was kind of looking at it maybe more of a trig- you know, the trigonometry maybe to, where he was kind of looking and it didn't, and maybe it imposed itself as he was playing around with it. Right. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that. So if you think about, so when you uh, set E to the IX as your starting point, now uh, the right side of that equation uh, has a totally different e- expression. And that expression that this equals is the cosine of X plus I times the sine of X. And those were pretty familiar functions in Euler's day. And he knew that that expression, likewise, is always going to be a result on the unit circle, regardless of what you put in for X. And so he had something that he knew already was a a circular function where whatever value for X you put in, the answer is going to be somewhere on the unit circle using the cosine and sine function. And then he found this new idea where you take E raised the I X and he found the same concept. And in fact, those two, you know, moved step and step. And so that's why we can write that the equation e to the i x equals cosine of x plus i sine of x. And so that is like the general formula that Euler uncovered that was the big deal for mathematics. And many people will call this the really the most remarkable formula because what happens is if we substitute now pi for x, well, then uh, the left side becomes e to the i pi, which is what we started with. And then cosine of pi is negative one and sine of pi is zero. So the right side then becomes negative one. And so we have e raised to i pi equals negative one. And if we want to bring the negative one to the other side of the equation, we add one to both sides and then we finish with what we started with today. Uh, which is the uh, specific formula, e raised to pi i plus 1 equals 0. And that's the result we get when we substitute pi in for x. 
this is more conceptual, uh, you know, plain mathematics and algebra and trigonometry. And so how did this formula or has this formula been used? Like, I guess we call it the real life, you know, as far as the, the sciences, you know, it certainly works in math. Mm-hmm. Are there other places that it has use? Yeah, it's really used a ton in the sciences. Um, it's uh, the foundation for music theory and sound waves, really uh, any types of waves, sound waves, light waves, all those things use this equation as part of its uh, foundation. And if you feel like you kind of have at least a grasp of that both of these produce a circle, then uh, we can take it one more step to identify for a given value of X, you know, where on this circle is the result? Because, you know, I, I just said that it's going to be somewhere on the circle, but I didn't say where on the circle it is. And so, uh, let's, you know, we can do this, uh, abstractly on a podcast because uh, I'm going to trust in your imagination a little bit since it's on imagination. But if you happen to have paper and pencil, feel free to to use those now. But if you just draw a circle, and if you think about uh, the circle like a clock, and the hand is pointing to three o'clock, so it's you know pointing left to right, and so we're at three o'clock on that circle. That is the starting point, and so now we're going to go counterclockwise around the circle, and so. The next number we're going to go to from three would be two on the clock because uh, that would be counterclockwise. And so if we go from three to two, we have made one twelfth of a rotation around a circle uh, since there would be 12 numbers on a clock and we went from three to two. That's one number. And so if we go from three all the way to 12 o'clock, you know, we took one quarter of a turn around the circle. And if we go from three o'clock to nine o'clock, we've gone one half of the way around the circle. And if we want to know, well, what is the distance around the circle from three o'clock to nine o'clock? Well, then we need to remember the formula for what is the circumference of a circle. And Brian, I don't know if you Happen to remember that. I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, uh, two pi r, I think. Yeah, you're right. Two pi r. And yeah. so here, r is the radius, and that's one. And so we're multiplying by one. So we can simplify two pi r to just two pi. So that is the distance around a unit circle if you go all the way around. But when we go from three o'clock to nine o'clock, we're only going halfway around. So what would be the distance halfway around of a circle if it's two pi all the way around? Just be pi. Pi. Okay. So that tells us the distance around the circle is pi. And if we look at, well, what is that point on the unit circle? That point is, uh, if we go up and down, that result is zero because it's on the x-coordinate system. And the point it's on is negative one. And so the value that we're on the unit circle is actually negative one. And so that's where we get 
negative one is because it's the distance around the unit circle when we put pi in there. Okay. And so that principle holds true for all examples of X. And so if we put in, let's say, zero for X, that means we don't go anywhere. Well, now we are ending up on the point one zero. And so that's going to be, you know, an answer of one. So if you put in zero into that expression, you're going to get one. And so you can choose any point on the unit circle and you're going to be able to identify what is your answer when you plot this in the complex plane. Okay. So, yeah, so that you can see where it it starts as you look at it and, you know, you wonder maybe if you even put pi in there and that's where and it worked out that it was one. And and then he's like, well, that's interesting. That has to do with the circle. And, you you know, who knows how his mind worked. But as we kind of finish up here, what bringing that into kind of as people are listening, I'm certainly thinking about how kind of tying it into our eternity series and all that, uh, you, t- you use the term that people call it the beautiful equation, which is a, it's an interesting term. You talk a little bit about that, not just maybe the the math part of it, but why do they call it the beautiful equation? You know, what, how does beauty get brought into it? Sure. And of course, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but the logic that's often shared is E is often considered one of the most important numbers in all of math. Uh, as actuaries, we could say easily it is the most important number. But in all of math, it's certainly one of the most important numbers. In calculus, it's probably the most important number. And so E is a Hall of Fame type number that has uh, so much beauty behind it. And of course, pi, um, most people have heard of pi. You know, they learn about that in school. And there's even, you know, the pi day. We all kind of identify it as some sort of geeky number. But when you stop and really think about what pi represents, it it's truly is amazing what that number represents. But it's clearly one of the most important numbers in all of math. So you have E and pi, which could easily be argued the two most important numbers in all of math. And then you have I, this weird fella out there that we just defined. And what I allowed us to do was to expand the real numbers to a broader set of numbers called the complex numbers. And with this new set of numbers, the complex numbers, we can solve all kinds of uh, problems we couldn't have solved before. So I opened up a whole new frontier to mathematics. And so we have these three things that each and of themselves are beautiful numbers and yet totally unrelated to each other, seemingly. And yet they all come together in one formula. And it also produces the number one and the number zero. And, you know, the number zero is popular because we call it the additive constant, which means if you add anything to zero, you're going to get that number. And one is the multiplicative constant. If you take X times one, your answer is always going to be X. And so two of the probably most common important integers are there. So you've got three of the most important numbers that are not uh, numeric, and then probably the two most important numeric numbers, and they all show up 
in an extremely surprising manner in a beautiful, clean and pristine manner into one formula. And math people really like simplicity. And I know that that goes against what a lot of people think that math people want complexity, but that's not true. Math people really appreciate simplicity and conciseness. And so this is an extremely concise formula that brings five different things together in one wonderful relationship. And I do see why you would call that beauty beautiful because, as you say, it's in the eye of the beholder, but yet it still has intrinsic qualities that are, are, you know, not just conceptual and ideas, but have reality. And you see this formula used in reality and engineering and chemistry and and, and things like that. So it's a it's not an either or. Is this just conceptual or is it useful in physical world? No, it's both. It it has kind of the beauty of being have the simplicity. But yet it also has a utilitarian use because it actually works in, mm-hmm. in the sciences, which, which is, you know, kind of a good way to kind of sum up our idea of eternity and infinity. The concept infinity we use in mathematical concepts to come up and do math on paper, as they say, in our mind. But yet those also, many of them have, have moved into, you know, exploring space and seeing how and then talking about that and and exploring you know neutrons and electrons and getting smaller and and all of a sudden you're you're getting into uh, how far does this go down kind of an eternal sequence you know which is kind of cool i don't know if this is the right way to put it but i was thinking about a biblical verse that i've heard at weddings you know you so you could say that that uh how could you put it you could say i Pi and E remain, but the greatest of these is E. <laughs> I have never heard that before. You um, can quote me if you want. I, I've never heard it before either, but that, that I just thought that was kind of, you, you get those three things. Uh, I think it's faith, hope, and love, in, in, in the, you know, right. to a wedding, you know, but that's, but I think that was kind of a, it kind of thought that, that both pi and, and, and I have such good, but the, you know, the E is kind of the thing that kind of is the, is the catalyst that keeps it, keeps it all going. So, well, we're right about ready to wrap up. Is there anything else you want to add about this beautiful equation? Well, I just encourage everyone to uh, take time to think about this. There's plenty of uh, videos we put together. There's other videos on this. But take any of these ideas of E and pi and I and look at them, you know, separately if you want. Or you can look at this Euler's identity. It certainly is a wonderful formula to uh, learn more about, even if you don't think you'll ever use this formula, like maybe an actuary probably will never use this formula, but that doesn't mean you cannot benefit from it. And so I would encourage you to take some time and watch some videos that do a great job of explaining why this formula exists and some of the cool nuances that it represents. Yeah, and I think that that's a good summation because it it does it's it and it brings in that you know the the beauty part and the and the even the goodness part the truth part certainly that we've been talking about. So maybe the best way to end this podcast would be to kind of just quote uh, Sue that first little uh, phrase that he had uh, because I do think this helps. I hope it helps people think whether you're math oriented or not, that discovering and exploring is always a good thing to do and get your mind to think about things in different ways, which I hope gives you some joy too, which is another thing we talked about. So we'll end with this. This is from uh, Francis Sue in his book, uh, Mathematics for Human 
flourishing. Exploration cultivates the virtue of imagination. been the Intersecting Us podcast. To further engage with Intersecting Us, go to intersectingus.com.